0: Locked On Podcast Network presents Locked On Sports Today.
1: Tom Brady is hanging him up. No, he's serious this time, guys. The Nets fail a mid-season litmus test. And what is Sean Payton really going to do in Denver? I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're Locked On Sports Today.
0: Searching all major sports. Let's start with the biggest story.
1: This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. Good morning, guys. I'll get to the point right away. I'm retiring for good. I know the process uh, was a pretty big deal last time, so when I woke up this morning, I figured I'd just press record and let you guys know first, so... Uh, won't be long-winded I think you only get one super Emotional retirement essay and I used mine up last year. So
2: I uh, Really thank you guys so much to every single one of you For supporting me my family my friends my teammates My competitors uh, I could go on forever. There's
1: too many um, Thank you guys for allowing me to live my absolute dream. I wouldn't change thing. Love you all. Every goat is unique in their sport. It's why they're the goat. But Tom Brady is unique even among his fellow greatest of all time. Not because he's better than they were, he wasn't. And that's exactly the point. Michael Jordan soared like we'd never seen anyone before. Tiger Woods appeared to be playing a different sport than everyone else. Babe Ruth mashed in a way even modern strength and conditioning found hard to replicate. Wayne Gretzky was so good, he was the best shot creator and scorer ever. Tom Brady, like really good at winning, but football is a team sport. QB wins are not a stat. Watch the final drive against the Seahawks in the Super Bowl to take the lead. Or the game-winning drive to complete a 28-3 historic comeback against the Falcons. There's nothing special about it. He was precise, but it wasn't Dan Marino or John Elway throwing fireballs. There's no Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes press the digitation. Check down to Shane Vereen. Check down to James White. Option route to Julian Edelman. Crossing route to Gronk. It was surgical. It was patient. It was effective, but it didn't awes with its degree of difficulty. No GOAT has ever GOATed like Tom Brady. The all-time great players make the extremely difficult look easy with their preternatural physical tools. Tom Brady's special skill was his patience and his ego, or lack thereof. He played egoless football. For whatever you want to say about Tom Brady, the guy off the field, between the lines, No one prioritized winning, even at the subversion of his own play, like Brady. He didn't play the game to prove how good he was. He proved how good he was by playing the position as simply and didactically as possible. The way you'd coach a QB to play it. Read one, to read two, to read three. Maneuver slightly in the pocket. Check it down or take off. As simple as a Julia Child's recipe. There were plenty of game winners, but never the flair of MJ. He made more than his fair share of big plays, but nothing as flashy as calling your shot and then hitting a bomb. Brady will have every passing record that exists, but he won't be so far ahead of anyone as to render the statistics nearly moot for everyone else the way Gretzky did. And when he won... He was squeaking out the titles by the thinnest of margins, not beating the doors off the field the way Tiger or Serena Williams did. But he just kept doing it, just kept winning and showing you don't have to reinvent the sport to be the greatest to ever play it. In fact, Tom Brady proved the opposite is true. In order to be the GOAT, he didn't try to do anything other than play exactly the way a QB should play. No one has done it better before or since. And thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, if Wednesday night is any indication, the Brooklyn Nets still have plenty of work to do. Before we get to that, though, Kyle Shanahan gives a definitive answer on whether Jimmy Garoppolo will remain a 49er. This year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sports book. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Lockdown because they're the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet on Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. Who will score a touchdown first or maybe Super Bowl MVP. FanDuel has the odds on Patrick Mahomes, plus 120 to win the award. Jalen Hurts, plus 125. Want to bet on a non-quarterback? The next closest Super Bowl MVP odds at FanDuel are for Travis Kelsey at 13 to 1. Kind of like those. Do this all on the FanDuel Sportsbook app that is safe, secure, and super easy to use. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com to claim your no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's fanduelcom slash locked on. Make every moment more with Fanduel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL.
0: Now, here's what you need to be locked on today.
1: It's been five years for the 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo, five years since San Francisco acquired him from New England. There's been speculation about trades and all kinds of other things for the last few years, but Jimmy G seemed to always find a way back to the Niners. Looks like that is all over now. When Kyle Shanahan was asked on Wednesday if there was any scenario in which Jimmy Garoppolo could return, he had this to say. No, I don't see any scenario that. Yeah, no, I... gotcha. That being said, it's the NFL. Never say never. The Memphis Grizzlies thought they had a win. Then the fourth quarter happened and the Portland Blazers left Grind City with a win.
2: The Memphis Grizzlies were in control of the Portland Trailblazers on Wednesday night until a disastrous fourth quarter left the Grizzlies wondering what might have been as they have lost now six of their last seven basketball games after their loss to the Portland Trailblazers. I'm Joe Molinax of Locked On Grizzlies. Damian Lillard is having an All-NBA year. That's not a surprise if you've been paying attention. Nor is the fact that Anthony Simons can put buckets up against the best of them as well. The Trailblazers have a couple of tough shot makers and the Grizzlies outside of John Morant don't necessarily have that. Desmond Bain coming back from injury was not fully himself. And even with a mismatch, Jaron Jackson Jr. being larger than just about everybody that was defending him, there was a lot of questionable decisions made, both coaching and on the floor, from the Grizzlies in this one. Seven point possessions are tough to overcome, but even with that, the game was was in hand until the fourth quarter where the wheels came off the toronto raptors took a quick trip to the mountains to face
1: the utah jazz there is nothing left to learn about the toronto raptors
3: sean will here from locked on raptors to break down the toronto raptors 131-128 loss to the utah jazz to fall to two and three on their western conference road trip that is seven games long And that, by all accounts, is determining whether the Raptors are going to make big moves by the deadline or not. And the big takeaway from this game is that the Raptors are who they've proven themselves to be all season long. Against the Jazz, they put up more than 20 extra field goals compared to the Jazz in this game. But their lack of shooting, their lack of any sort of defense on the other end, their lack of depth. They're still playing their starters 40 minutes in games they're losing and getting very little from the bench. All of these things have plagued the Raptors all season long and all of them will continue to plague the Raptors it would seem until the mix is changed in some way shape or form who knows how that comes it could be moving off of pending free agents like Gary Trent Jr and Fred VanVleet for smaller assets to retool in the offseason with more money on the books it could be a bigger move like OG Anunoby it could even be Pascal Siakam i don't think it will or should be necessarily but this team has struggled so mightily that nothing between now and the trade deadline for the Raptors would surprise me.
1: And on the ice, the Boston Bruins cruise to an easy road victory over the Toronto Maple Leafs. The losing streak is over and the
4: Boston Bruins are heading into the All-Star break and their bye week on a high note after defeating the Toronto Maple Leafs here on Wednesday evening. This is Ian McLaren, host of Locked On Boston Bruins, and it was an unlikely cast of characters who got the Bruins on the board early on with goals from Derek Forbort, short-handed, uh, one from Brandon Carlo, another from AJ Greer before the check line took over from some needed insurance with Pavel Zaka, adding a couple in the third period to ice it for the Bruins. It ended their three-game losing streak cements their record as tops in the NHL and takes them to the All-Star Game and into their bye week next week on a high note after having lost the previous three. So good on the Bruins. Stay up on all the latest on the Locked On Bruins podcast.
1: And in WNBA news, one of the biggest free agent moves in WNBA history happened on Wednesday. Former league MVP Brianna Stewart has decided to play for the New York Liberty, leaving the Seattle Storm after winning two championships in seven years. This via an announcement on Twitter. Wednesday marked the first time WNBA free agents can officially sign contracts and offer sheets for the 2023 season. While on SportsCenter, Suey said, I feel like why not go to the biggest market in all sports? And I'm really excited to go after their first championship. The Liberty are fast becoming a super team. The Knicks could only be so lucky.
0: Here is another story you need to know.
1: For a while there, it was no Kevin Durant, no problem for the Brooklyn Nets. And then they lost four straight. They got, got back on track a little bit. And then they ran into the Boston Celtics. A 139-96 to beatdown. This was a 46-16 to game after one quarter. Not great, Bob. Adam Armbrecht from Locked on Nets joins me now. And, and Adam... I think if you're a Nets fan, you're going, okay, none of this matters until Kevin Durant is back and healthy. But the other key pieces uh, were were involved in in this one. Kyrie Irving uh, played 31 minutes. So what do you take out of a game like this with the understanding that, look, it's it's early February. There's a long way to go, and you don't have Kevin Durant.
5: You know, Peter, you never call when the Nets are winning. I feel like that's something <laughs> that's disrespectful not true. That we could, we could not <laughs> true. <laughs> no. there's been a lot of good conversations around a lot of the positive things for the Brooklyn Nets, but right now without Kevin Durant, a game like this, it's funny because Boston is a bad matchup for Brooklyn. Even at full strength, they've, they've lost now nine, uh, 10 games, excuse me, including the playoff sweep last season. Now a healthy, whatever version of Ben Simmons, that makes a big difference inside of these matchups. But I, I try not to put a lot of stock in this. You don't have Ben Simmons out there tonight, at least even just from a defensive perspective. You no. don't have TJ Warren, who's a bigger scoring on-ball scorer who can score at all three levels for you. So there are some little things like that. And also, 46-16, to a 139-98 to loss, it is a bit of a gut punch. And I think it, it can suggest that even at full strength, the Brooklyn Nets are, are looking up a little bit at Boston, who is, right now, the
1: most dangerous, dominant team in the Eastern Conference. It doesn't help when you shoot 41% from the floor, 23% from three, and on the other side, Boston shoots almost 60% from the floor and almost 50% from three. Um, is is Are the Nets in a situation where they're going, okay, Ben Simmons gets healthy, um, Kevin Durant gets healthy, we like this group, or, or do you look at where they are in the East, maybe looking up at Milwaukee as well, maybe looking up at Philadelphia as well, um, and go, eh, a move on the margins would actually be exactly what this team needs to solidify themselves as they try to make a run here.
5: Yeah, it's curious because the Brooklyn Nets, some organizations are a little bit more open with what their intentions are. They, they like to communicate through the media a little bit more heavily. The Nets are very close to the vest. So when you talk about the deadline coming up and moves that they can make, there's a couple of factors. One, they don't have a lot of draft capital. They don't have a lot of valuable young assets. Cam Thomas played in this game tonight, but he's a guy that's been sparsely used by and large. Dayron Sharp still developing. You have guys like Kessler Edwards, who hasn't even seen the NBA level for the most part this year. So they are, they are a bit hamstrung. I think the way the Nets look at it is, let's see what happens with the market. Where do some big names go? Do some of the price points come down? And if we can make a targeted move that gives us a little bit more size, a little bit more scoring, yes, we'll go and do it. But there, there's a really razor's edge that the Nets, Sean Marks, Josiah are sitting on right now. Because if you go all in, then there's nothing left. There's no backslide here. If you don't extend Kyrie Irving on a contract in the offseason, you are just a couple steps away from being a very irrelevant team. And, and I think there's a balancing act right now, and we may not find out until the deadline as the final hour ticks if Sean Marks is able to execute
1: something that really moves the needle for this team. At full strength, do you, do you feel right now that this is a team that, that can compete in the Eastern Conference, or, or have we just not seen enough to even answer that? Yeah, and listen, at full strength,
5: even with a non-offensive Ben Simmons, this team can go toe-to-toe. We saw it. They beat Philadelphia without Kevin Durant. They can go up against Philadelphia. I think they can go up against Milwaukee, go up against Cleveland. But if you're talking about the ultimate goal, which is still the goal for Brooklyn, winning a championship, if you have to go through Boston, there might be something, an element missing here that they would need to add into the mix in order to go toe-to-toe, seven-game series, and get over that hump and maybe make an appearance in the conference finals
1: and obviously ultimately the NBA finals. Stay up to date all year on the Brooklyn Nets by subscribing to Lockdown Sports Today and Lockdown Nets on YouTube or wherever you get podcasts. Coming up, what the Denver Broncos are trying to do will not work out. The Denver Broncos got the guy that will fix Russell Wilson, right? Tyler Rowland on Lockdown On NFL does not believe so. So
0: I'm, I'm just going to, and this is coming from a guy who when Russell Wilson got traded to the Broncos. We had a little bit of a, a locked-on round table with about nine hosts, and everybody was kind of like, yeah, good move. but uh, Not me. I really? said no. No, the Bron- I'm not convinced that the Broncos are a good team because they got Russell Wilson, and here Damn. is what I have to say. This is insane by Denver. This is a bad move. This is not going to work. This is not smart. Number one, you gave up. The number 29 pick in the draft, you gave up a first round pick, you gave up a second round pick in 2024 just to acquire a coach, not only a coach, but a coach who hasn't won a Super Bowl since I was a freshman in college. We aren't talking about this is like the Raiders trading for John Gruden off a fresh Super Bowl that he just won. Sean Payton hasn't done a damn thing in the NFL of consequence in 13 years. So what are you trading for here? A guy who's been in the broadcast booth for a while? How did that work for Vegas and Open when they brought John Gruden out? To me, to not only, they're going to pay him a buttload of money. The reports are that he wants $20 million a year, and maybe it's not that high, but it's going to be over $10 million, And oh, they no. paid draft picks to do it on top of what they gave up to get Russell Wilson. So you have sunk so much of your assets and your money into two guys who are past their prime over the hill and are not what you think they are and what you're paying for. This is insane, and you know why something like this happens? Because you get a new owner, and a new owner comes in there swinging the stick, and they want to let everybody know, hey, we're doing something big here. We're making a statement. We're making a big impact. I'm going to let everybody else in the league know that I'm here to win, and they do something dumb. And that's exactly what the Broncos have done. They have doubled down on a person past their prime who wasn't worth what they're giving up to get him. This is not a good move for the Broncos. And I'm willing to say right now, I do not think that it works out. They're still in a division with Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. I don't think they've moved the needle
1: whatsoever. At the end of the Drew Brees, Sean Payton era, I often wondered, why does Sean Payton miss all of the criticism that dogs Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy. They didn't go seven and nine in four seasons in the middle of Aaron Rodgers' prime. They didn't consistently blow winnable playoff games at home in Aaron Rodgers' prime, at least not when he was healthy. You can look at some inexplicable performances here and there to be sure. I always wondered why Sean Payton was treated so Differently, I think a lot of it, by the way, has to do with aesthetics. And so I call Sean Payton, SoCal Mike McCarthy. After the Saints won the Super Bowl in 2009, they went 5-7 and seven in the playoffs under Sean Payton. They lost at home in the playoffs three times, including once to Jared Goff in the NFC Championship game. And they lost a road playoff game in historically soul-crushing fashion. One conference championship game after they won the Super Bowl. Are we sure Sean Payton is this good or is he just Mike McCarthy with better PR? And finally, Jordan Spieth made a ridiculous second shot on the par four eighth hole at Pebble Beach Last year, and in case you aren't familiar with the course where Spieth hit the ball, if you lean too far forward, you will fall off a literal cliff. His ball was cantilevered on the edge, and he had to hit the ball and actually lean backward to the point that he fell backward, not on his butt, but had to push his momentum backward after he swung or risk. Some serious business. After the shot, Spee said, yeah, I think now knowing my son a lot better, he was really young at the time. I may not have hit that shot. Many people have gone to Pebble Beach over the last year to try and recreate that shot or just Pebble Beach in general because it's one of the most incredible places on earth. So much so that the club has made the rough much longer in that sliver of area in an attempt to stop any ball well short of that drop off so that... People, don't try this at home. Please, don't try this at home. But if you haven't seen the shot, go find it on YouTube. It's an unbelievable shot. <laughs> Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up tomorrow, what can we expect from the Pro Bowl? Oy. So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today.